Hey, this is Shannon from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron. Located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky, 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettleball classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606-310-4918. History, art, science, and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to next. It's a great big world with so much to know. Like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast. With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing the history of poison and not the band. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> I have the wrong notes. <laughs> Whoops. Across the table is a man who once survived drinking a Diet Coke laced with Pib Extra and just a trace amount of Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> Jason Creekmore, how did you survive it? Well, Shannon, I didn't blink for 12 hours. Is that right? Yeah. But I really, really liked it, though. But you made it through. I did. So you were just caffe- caffeinated? I survived. Caffeinated? Yep. Yeah. So today we are talking about poison. And Jason, have you ever eaten or drank anything that just did not agree with you? The mozzarella stick tragedy, a tragedy of, of 03, Shannon. Oh, really? Was <laughs> yeah. that a bad one? That's probably the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. Probably not poison. Pro- probably not, but uh, I had... <laughs> but, but you have your suspicions. <laughs> but, but I'm not sure because what occurred to me was what they uh, probably would say is unnatural. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I kind of went in and out of consciousness a few mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Uh, probably dropped eight pounds in a, in a couple of days. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, basically had to get like a, a Gatorade IV going <laughs> to, to try to get better. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was... And you know me, I love pizza. I was going to say that, cheese that sticks. deterred you none at all. Yeah, because, I mean, all that stuff. But yeah. I will say this. Now, for pizza, I was I was good. For cheese sticks, I was good. But mm-hmm. for mozzarella sticks, where, you know, it's the... It's, I was going to say, it, so what's the difference between cheese sticks and mozzarella and mo- sticks? Okay, so mozzarella sticks, the, the cheese is in the middle. And that it's the, the entire stick is coated in batter. Oh, see, I call those Bosco sticks. You ever heard of that? Okay, yeah, but these are like deep fried. It's not like oh, just okay. the, 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 not just the bread, right? Yeah, these these are like sort of like fried cheese, pretty much is what it is. And uh, I did not eat any of those for probably five years from from anywhere wow. after that. I mean, I was like scared to death because probably that that wasn't what it was, but that was the last thing I ate that night. Yeah, uh, before you know the development occurred. The development. <laughs> yeah, it was awful, man. So I've I've had a few like allergic reactions to food one time i ate at a ruby tuesday and i have no idea if it was the fettuccine alfredo but that's what i blamed it on and i've not had that since it's really? just yeah well at least not a ruby tuesday <laughs> i just i just went home that night and i was sitting at my computer and i was working on a lesson plan because i was getting ready to go teach language arts the next day sure and it, i just started uh, i was sitting next to my wife alex and she just looked at me and she said why do you have red spots on your arms and I said, that is a very good question. So I just kind of glanced <laughs> down and I had like these red bumps coming up. And to this day, I don't really know what caused that. I'm, I'm blaming it, though, on the fettuccine Alfredo. Although I don't know. It's, it's kind of still the jury's still out. Wow. Yeah. The only time I've ever had like, to my knowledge, I've had like a, an allergic reaction is I think the, the summer that Mindy and I first got married, 
I went outside like a good husband. Yeah. And I was mowing the grass, right? Sure. Good well, guy. I had basically ran on top of some yellow jackets in the ground. And, and, of course, I had T-shirt shorts on. So one kind of uh, you know went up my leg, popped me on the leg. I thought, mm, that hurt. No big deal. I, I, I just kept going, right? <laughs> you, you were still a young version of right. Jason Creekmore. That, <clears throat> this was pre-mozzarella stick Not a big version. deal. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I thought I you know got stung. You know, it happens. Well, I didn't realize I was going over and over a nest every time I circled. I just oh. thought it was a random wasp or something. I didn't even see what it was. Just really. that one kind of out to get you. Yeah. Well, then the second time I went around, like bam, 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 bam. I mean, I got like drilled, and I came in the house, and probably five minutes later, man. I mean, I was like visibly shaking, and I could not stop shaking. Hmm. And you know, <clears throat> it was hurting a little bit, but like not that bad. But it was like I, you know, I'd sort of broken out like in these white streaks and kind of going like up and down my neck and stuff, and not. It sort of freaked me out for a few minutes. I just sort of uh, chugged some Benadryl and kind of hit the couch for like about an hour and then after that you know i, I made sure that uh, i was feeling better but but i still faked it because mindy could go out there and and she could finish mo- no i'm just joking <laughs> no I, I actually went out there and uh, found the the source of my pain and kind of put some kerosene down the ground did you take care of it i, I took care of it you, yeah. you stung back or? i did a, yeah i stung back <laughs> but that's the only time i can think of in terms of like i've had like a reaction yeah to something yeah I've had one other instance that wasn't necessarily a reaction. I was a kid about nine or 10 years old and the, the story ends just fine. Like I'm, I'm here obviously not not a big deal, but I was about nine or 10 years old and I just happened to stumble into the kitchen one day and I saw a wonderful looking, beautiful, perfectly wrapped McDonald's cheeseburger laying there on the counter. Had no idea where it came from. I'm nine or 10 years old. And I thought, you know what? Today's my lucky day. I get a cheeseburger. <laughs> I get a cheeseburger. So I went over, I unwrapped it. It feels a little cold. So that should have been my first sign that, man, you need to think about your life decisions <laughs> a little bit more. So I unwrap it. I pop that thing in my mouth. I take about three or four bites. And then I see my mom just kind of walk up behind me. And she's like, no. And all of a sudden, she's like in slow motion, <laughs> slapping it out of my hands, you know. And it uh, turns out that cheeseburger had been there like overnight sitting on the counter and here i am just just kind of chewing it down so we go into a family-wide panic my mom gets on the phone she's calling poison control meanwhile she's she's getting this i don't know if you've ever heard of this remedy but she's pouring like mustard into a, a teaspoon and she's mixing it with water and and i hate mustard anyway yeah i thought i'll just so, take my chances with the cheeseburger <laughs> yeah let's, let's see where this goes but yeah she just kind of stirs that up and she says you're gonna eat this and you're gonna keep eating this until all of that comes back up and i was like oh. yes ma'am because i'm just sitting there bawling my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, my life's over right? I, I thought i'm dead i right. mean I, I really did i at nine or ten i didn't know any better sure. i thought man i just ate a really old cheeseburger I'm, that's it for me <laughs> i didn't know i was dying <laughs> that's all things happened as they did and my mom got a hold of poison control and they said just <laughs> it's so strange they more or less just said you know keep an eye on him yeah, thanks. <laughs> that was kind of the advice. I just had these images of you know, your mother, you know, panicked and goes to the phone and calls yeah. poison control, and she's placed on hold, and all she hears is like "Ever Rose" as it's. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Poison Control. Play on your favorite hits. Five to ten. Every That's night. right. But uh, yeah, so it, basically, they told her I was going to be fine. She just looked over at me and she said, "Well, you're going to be fine." And I said, well, "I hope so." Right. I'm just bawling my eyes out. But uh, that that was the closest I ever came to being unintentionally that, poisoned. That would have been a good commercial for like uh, Burger King. You know, they call poison control and they said, <laughs> "Quick, go get a Whopper. Right. <laughs> have him eat the Whopper." That's good stuff, man. But no. Uh, so in terms of poison control centers, Jason, there's actually 55 poison control centers in the u.s have you ever called one or had a need to i don't think so yeah this, this was Thankfully. the only time we've ever had it but we always had that dedicated magnet 
on the fridge. Did it have a skull on it? I think it did. Ours was like a little yeah. white magnet with like a black skull. Yep. Like, uh, best I can remember. That's yeah. it. And it just like poison control and, <laughs> yeah. and had a number, an 800 number, whatever. Um, but in 2018, the poison centers provided guidance for nearly 2.1 million human poison exposures. That's a lot of people. That's a lot. Yeah. That's higher than I thought it yeah. would be. In fact, that's about 6.3 poison exposures per 1,000 people in the entire U.S. population. So that's that's quite that's a, bit. a lot, yeah. yeah. And that's that's happening year round. There's one poison exposure reported to U.S. poison control centers every 15 seconds around the clock. So mm. by the time this episode's over, we're going to have quite a few overall, right? Yeah. Hmm. The highest instance of uh, poisoning occurs in one and two year olds, which was kind of really sad and, and unfortunate. I can see why that ch- is. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that though. And children under six comprise nearly half of poison exposures. The numbers are ninety nine point four percent of poison exposures in this age group uh, under six is unintentional. Yeah, stuff looks good, smells good, whatever. Right? Yeah, exactly. The leading substances uh, unintentionally poisoning children under six include cosmetic products and cleaning substances i wouldn't have thought cosmetic products as much but apparently that's a high risk among children Mm. under six in adults the leading substance that leads to poisoning is pain medications so gotta gotta be careful there and across all ages 76.7 percent of poison exposures reported to u.s poison centers in 2018 were unintentional people didn't mean to do it sure you know 19.1 percent were intentional for one reason or another, and 2.5% were just adverse reactions. So someone ate some oh. fettuccine Alfredo and thought they were poison. They called the control center. They were just having sort of an allergic reaction. Right. So that accounts for almost 3% of, of everything that happens. But the good news is, of the poisonings that were reported, 84% had at most a minor effect. So the great majority of these uh 2.1 million cases that are coming in every year tend to be benign and hmm. you know not a not a larger problem right. and you would think with with all of the poison running rampant as it is uh there's a there's a lot of stuff out there to get into that you would avoid that as much as humanly possible or at least i know i would. right you know, anything with skull and crossbones yeah. on it yeah, go the other way yeah just just move around but Jason, in Alnwick Garden, which is located in Alnwick, Northumberland, England, there is an actual poison garden, and people go here intentionally just to see what they have. Man, kind of kind of pushing their luck there, aren't they? A little bit. I, I'll be walking down the sidewalk with my wife, and she'll she'll see poison ivy from a mile away. <laughs> just run! Like, poison ivy! <laughs> we'll just run the other way. But uh, people are, are coming out in droves to see what has famously been called the poison garden. It's filled exclusively, meaning there's nothing else in this garden, but 100 toxic, and this is self-described, toxic, intoxicating, and narcotic plants, according to the website. <laughs> that makes for a nice, like, uh, you know, a flyer, a brochure, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's how they plug it. <laughs> Come look at death. That's, that's essentially exactly what they're trying to do. The garden is enclosed behind these black iron gates and are only open to guided tours. You can't just kind of wander in there and find yourself fumbling around with uh, the deadly nightshade and that sort of thing. The gates bear two skull and crossbone symbols, <laughs> which has come to be the universal sign of stay away, Right? don't go there. And there's a warning that reads, quote, these plants can kill. So that, 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 that's enough to keep me yeah. at bay. You know, I, I read that and I'm like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to do a 180 and go back. Right? Sure. Visitors are prohibited from smelling, touching, <laughs> and especially tasting any plants. Although 
Some people still occasionally faint from inhaling toxic fumes while walking in the garden. The security guard's like, hey, you, did you smell that? <laughs> you just laid out <laughs> flat fall on your over. Back. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the garden contains strychnine, hemlock, ricin, foxglove. <laughs> foxglove? <laughs> That's right, foxglove. Belladonna, brugmansia, and Liburnum. So, wow. So so all those things. Those I, are some of my favorites. I don't know yeah. about you. <laughs> those are things I don't want in a milkshake. <laughs> no. Definitely not. We're going to talk about some of those here on the on the show here in just a bit. But the stated mission of the prison garden is for drug education and features paintings of cannabis, coca, and the opium poppy. So you're just kind of walking hmm. around. And the, the reasoning behind it, according to the literature that's out there, is to get children who take tours to become interested in asking questions. So they're, and yes, they do have children. Really? In the poison huh. garden with people passing out, which kind of surprises me, you know, so I don't know. So where did the garden come from? In 1995, Jane Percy became Duchess of Northumberland. When the family took up residence in the castle, Percy's husband asked her to do something with the gardens, which originally just had rows and rows of Christmas trees. And that sounds a little bit better to me. <laughs> that That's a big shift. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see them maybe go back to that. <laughs> you have like all these very beautiful Christmas trees and like, you know, no, it's bring forth the hemlock. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of uproot them. <laughs> right. Although uh, you could probably decorate the foxglove. You know, sure. Just I, I put some lights I'm on not there. sure what that looks like, but uh, no yeah, but we'll go with it's it. It's probably fine. <laughs> the Duchess said, now remember her husband has said, yeah, please do something with the gardens. And this, this is what she said. She said, quote, I think he, meaning her husband, thought that will keep her quiet. She'll just plant a few roses. And that'll be it, end quote. <laughs> However, the Duchess worked with an architect to completely reimagine the Almwick Garden. And today, the garden encompasses 14 acres and attracts over 600,000 visitors each year. The Duchess thought of the idea for the Poison Garden after visiting an apothecary garden in Italy. After the trip, the Duchess became enthralled with the idea of creating a garden of plants that could kill instead of heal. That kind of sounds hmm. like the origins of like a supervillain to yep. me. Kind of sounds like almost like a, a Goosebumps, R.L. Stein type type of story plot or something. I can see that, like like Poison Ivy from Batman. That's kind of what it reminds right, me yeah. of too. The Duchess said, "Quote: I thought this is a way to interest children. Children don't care that aspirin comes from a bark of a tree. What's really interesting is to know how a plant kills you and how the patient dies." And what you feel like before you die. End quote. <laughs> Thus, Dr. Doom, Duchess Doom was born. Goodness. Isn't that crazy? Come around, children. <laughs> Fun fact. The Poison Garden is located adjacent to Almwick Castle, which was the setting for Hogwarts in the first two Harry Potter films. Oh, no way. Yeah. So they, really? they were right next door to well, the Poison cool. Garden. that's kind of cool. Sure was. So, Jason, I think our next topic is one that is equally interesting because you would think people would just avoid poison. That just seems common knowledge. Not everybody like, should do that. So, do you have a famous case of people who uh, not only you know didn't avoid it, but maybe sought it out? One of the stranger stories I have ever researched in this entire time that we've been doing this podcast uh, involves a group called the Poison Squad. Yeah. So, what is the Poison Squad? You may ask. The well, next DC movie. Well, it sounds just exactly like that, <laughs> right? The Poison Squad was a very unique group of men who were dedicated to literally poisoning themselves for the betterment of society. This group was sponsored by the U.S. government and played a key role in the early stages of what would eventually become the Food and Drug Administration. The group's history began way back in 1902 and was the brainchild of Dr. Harvey Wiley, who was the Department of Agriculture's chief chemist. Dr. Wiley was actually a Civil War veteran, 
uh, and a graduate from Indiana Medical College and Harvard <laughs> University. Eventually, he joined the faculty at Purdue University as well. Dr. Wiley was extremely interested in the effects food preservatives and additives had on the human body. These preservatives and additives included borax, saltpeter, uh, copper sulfate, and formaldehyde. Really? Now, when I think of formaldehyde, I think like, you know, baby pigs, right? Sharks, yes. biology, that sure. type of thing. I don't think formaldehyde in terms of like a food preservative. No, I don't either. <clears throat> so this was back in the early 1900s. The 12 men who were part of the poison squad had to sign a waiver that they would not hold the U.S. government liable for any sickness that occurred or even their possible death. I would not sign that waiver. Man. So this was sort of like a uh, a, uh, a blood oath group, right? That's what that, it sounds like. That right? That you know, we're going to sit down and uh, we're going to basically partake of this poison. We're not going to talk about it to anyone, uh, but uh, you know we're going to be monitored like pretty much every day on right. sort of what's happening to our bodies. And if we get in trouble, we can take no retaliation. It's, That's right. It's our own it's, fault. Yep. Because we, we signed up. This is what we signed up for. So basically, a chef known as Chef Perry. <laughs> which I think, I don't know why, but I think it's perfect. Chef Perry. Chef Perry would prepare these elaborate meals for the 12 men, but would intentionally overdose the food with, with continuing higher and higher levels of preservatives and additives to test their poisonous threshold. What a job, man. So this is, I mean, like... A, He's cooking real food. Yeah, this is like a legit, you know, tremendous meal. Here's right? a steak dinner. Yeah. Put a little rice in it. Yeah, whatever it is. And they're, they're going to put it out there, and they're going to see how, you know, how much these men can take before they begin to be a little sick, a lot sick, uh, maybe, you know, just maybe back it off just a little right before death. <laughs> and, and, and that's what they're doing, is that they're trying to see how much a human could really take. And even for other things, too, like uh, some of these uh, preservatives that they're putting in food. Mm. Uh, the squad conducted these studies from 1902 through 1907. But in 1906, Dr. Wiley's uh, and the squad's dedication paid off when Congress passed the Meat Inspection Act and the Pure Food and Drug Act. This legislation led to the creation of the the FDA. Dr. Wiley died in June of 1930 and was buried in the Arlington National Cemetery and is referred to as the father of the FDA. Father of the FDA. Father of the FDA. The poison squad that their only job was to basically come to the dinner table, eat dinner, and that was all. That's all they did. And then from that point on, doctors would, you know, uh, just basically interview them, uh, check their vital signs, uh, all that type of stuff. They they would even measure their hair growth. Really? If they had had a haircut, they would go gather up the hair to measure it, look for. I mean, they literally just evaluated every aspect of their being. So these guys were just guinea pigs. Literally, yeah, literally guinea pigs. Uh, but were paid for it, and and that was their that was their job, and this lasted for years. It's crazy to me that the this was part of the U.S. government. This wasn't just like a fringe group or out there. Like, man, I, I love me some poison. Let's figure no, that out. This, yep, this, this was, was an officially sanctioned governmental thing by the Department of Agriculture, and uh, the project was funded by Congress for five thousand dollars. Can you imagine voting on that? Somebody gets up and introduces that bill. Henceforth, we shall have the poison squad. And I can see them coming out in like their capes. (laughs) These 12 men will be poisoned on a daily basis for the next four years. All in favor? (laughs) Resounding aye. (laughs) So, but yeah, it passed. And and actually for, for several years, that was kind of the deal. That they just sat there and uh, ate dinner and and knowingly, you know, they're they're eating dinner knowing that they're getting poisoned with every bite. And I think if I, I read a little bit about this too, these guys were national heroes. 
Like people looked upon them yeah. in the same way they look upon firefighters and servicemen. Oh, yes. and, yeah, and at first it was sort of like a hush, hush, quiet, let's not tell everybody we're poisoning these people, even though they knew they were being poisoned. It wasn't a secret to them. Well, I sure hope so. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, eventually sort of word got out, and all of a sudden it was not just, you know, like a medical thing. You know, this is the poison squad, and yeah. and it got to be sort of a, a cool thing. And, it, and uh, you know, multiple articles, uh, you know, were published in newspapers and journals and those things, and uh, uh, it got to be very popular. Oh, that's interesting. I can't believe that happened. I mean, that's yep. just a part of history that's like un- unbelievable because it's so current. You said, was it 19th century stuff? Uh, in the, the, the early 1900s. Yeah. yeah. So 20th century 20th stuff. 20th century yeah. stuff. Or early 1900s. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So even, wow. Yeah. During this time, uh, I know that when the, some of the, the, I think that the first legislation that was passed was actually signed by Teddy Roosevelt. So that was when he was president. Okay. So I think at this point, we're going to kind of shift gears and talk about some of the more common poisons that are out there, as well as talk about the historical significance of of some of those poisons, because they've been used in all sorts of things from murder to politics to accidental dosages, you name it. I mean, poison has been used throughout history for different purposes. Rarely anything like very good (laughs) benevolent. Usually bad. Usually bad. The first one on the list is one called Belladonna which is often called Deadly Nightshade. It gets its name from the Italian words Bella and Donna, which mean beautiful lady, because the plant was a popular cosmetic in the Middle Ages. Hmm. People would put this on their face. They'd crush it up. They made a blush out of it, and they would just sort of paint their faces with it. Hmm. Uh, although I would I would probably note it's probably a really bad choice for like a lip stain. That's probably not the, the right use <laughs> right. for it. Uh, so they, they figured that out quickly it's enough. It's probably the, the last lip stain you would use. You, <laughs> yeah. would use. you know, that, that could be their marketing slogan. Oh, the last lip stain you'll ever use. <laughs> you know. uh, drops of juice from Belladonna would also be diluted in water. And get this, used as eye drops. And you're thinking, well, why, why would you put this poison into your eyes? The drops would dilate the pupils, which would make the lady appear more attracted to her suitor which is an effect that occurs naturally when a person is in love. Would you do this today? Would you, man, that's would a, you say, man, I, I want to get those puppy dog eyes. You know, I, I want it to look authentic. So <laughs> quick, hand me that poison plant over here. I want to dribble that in my eyes yeah. a little bit. That's crazy. That's crazy. Historically, the plant was also used to tip arrows with poison. Eating a single leaf or eating 10 of the berries on the plant can cause death. However, there is a report of at least one person who ate about 25 berries and lived to tell the tale. Was that you, Jason? That was not me. Wasn't you? Nope, not me. I've been uh, terrified of berries growing in the wild my entire life. <laughs> just growing up, because I just I, heard always, all the stories, man. You can't eat that. Don't eat that. Yeah, don't eat that. But somehow you always are interested and kind of feel compelled just a little bit, right? Yeah, but I've never... Me, uh, me neither. N- never went for it. Maybe it's a nice blush, though. I don't know. We'll <laughs> just see. rub it on my face. <laughs> Here's an interesting fact. The serial killer named Locusta, and we'll talk about who that is in a moment, may have used deadly nightshade to kill the Roman emperor Claudius under contract with Claudius's wife, Agrippina the Younger. You ever heard of this story? I don't think so. <laughs> Locusta was a maker of poisons in the first century Roman Empire and was a favorite of Nero. Nero was Agrippina's son. Nero had Locusta create a poison to kill Claudius's son, Britannicus, and after a couple attempts, the poison worked. I think the first time it didn't work or it wasn't working quickly enough, so Nero had Locusta flogged. 
and said, you go back in there and you make me a poison that's that's going to do the job right now. And she did. She came back with something that was a little more potent. And poor Britannicus is just, you know, completely oblivious <laughs> to, to anything. And, uh, yeah, it ended up killing him. Lacusta was awarded with a large estate. And pupils were sent to Lacusta to learn the art of poisoning from Nero. Nero commanded that basically there was this little miniature school opened up and he, he wanted this as part of his arsenal. And he requested at one time from Lacusta that she would provide him with a poison just for his own personal use, not to be divulged. And it was stored inside of a golden box and he kept it on his person for years and years and mm. years just in case the opportunity wow. presented itself. That's that's fascinating. It's kind of crazy. After Nero died, Locusta was, she kind of fell out of favor with the new regime and she was led through the city in chains and then ordered to be executed she she was supposedly one of these like quote you know bad people that that nero kept in his inner circles so right they they wanted to get her out of there and uh speaking of getting out of there jason you think it's be a good time for a quick break <laughs> it's a good transition right there thanks it's probably, probably top five you like yeah. that yeah all right we'll see you back in a bit Hey everyone, we're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice slapdash hoodie or a slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store welcome back and today we are talking all about poison one of the deadliest poisons on earth is snake venom especially asp venom i uh, enunciated the heck out of that didn't i you sure did good job <laughs> i was very careful you have to be cautious man that's right the show's for the kids after that's, all that's exactly right <laughs> it's all about education uh basically an asp is a kind of cobra that is found in northern africa Uh, The asp's venom contains neurotoxins and cytotoxins, which together quickly destroy nerves, tissue, and causes paralysis. You know, all the bad things that you typically want to try to avoid. Uh, Ultimately, the cause of death would be respiratory failure. Just everything just sort of shuts down and you literally stop breathing. Right. Uh, This venom is so dangerous that a single bite can kill an adult elephant (laughs) within three hours. But I'm smaller than an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you would die much quicker than three hours. Ugh. A single bite from from an asp literally will kill a, a, a huge, massive, adult-sized elephant within three hours. That, that's unbelievable. That's Think terrifying. about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the most famous death that is associated uh, with this venom is Cleopatra, mm. uh, who many historians believe committed suicide by allowing an asp to bite her. Man, that's a bad way to go. <laughs> I mean, of all, the, I mean, you know, maybe not shade or yeah. uh, you know some other kind of different Something things, a little, but a little gentler. No, because that one, I mean, and literally according to the uh, the story, it literally bit her. It wasn't just the venom. That according well, to many she didn't historians, like drink the venom. She no, just let a snake bite her. Yeah, so it's almost like that's sort of just pain for no reason. That's on even that. worse. Yeah. Now you know who knows if that's true. Mm. You know, a thousand percent or a anything. lot of legends. A lot yeah. of legends, but but many people believe that that's that that's what she did that's scary growing up i was terrified of snakes too yeah and i had a lot of fears but but rational fears i'm, I'm not afraid of just like right. the color yellow or something like that it's <laughs> yeah. like snakes yeah oh my goodness yeah uh, scary the, stuff. The, the indiana jones uh mm-hmm. movie you know where he falls in the, in the pit that's what, that's what i was thinking about when you were yeah. going through your description uh, there. i think they're actually in egypt during 
oh. uh, or, or close somewhere. About, yeah. yeah, I think I think it is Egypt. And uh, he falls in the pit, and they're talking about this this particular snake, you know, the uh, the uh, asp cobra, and they're mm-hmm. all really freaking out about it. And he's sort of crawling around in this pit of thousands of snakes and so anytime i hear this particular snake or any kind of a snake story yeah i immediately think indiana jones and the uh, raiders of the lost ark oh my gosh my wife uh, was told a story when she was younger uh, that and i think it was a snake but she was told by maybe her grandma or someone that if uh, there was a certain kind of snake that it would get a hold of you and it wouldn't let go until lightning struck uh, <laughs> so you just better hope there's a storm on the horizon you know, it's, it's still a, hanging on a snake like latches onto your ankle and you're screaming the whole time you're checking the weather That's app right. on your phone. Yeah, no, no, not into Thursday. <laughs> How am I going to get my shoes on? <laughs> That's good. I think this is the same story, and I'm not getting these mixed up. But she also said that the snake uh, would kill you because you would die laughing. <laughs> okay, but but I learned much later because I took that at face value. She told right. me this when we first started dating, and obviously it was like an inside joke because there were certain snakes in the area where she grew up, and the joke was you would die laughing because it was such a pitiful, small type of snake, and it's not really going to hurt you. I didn't pick up on that. I thought like literally like this snake's going to get a hold of me, and then I'm just going <laughs> to kind of start you know kind of chuckling a little bit, and then I'm going to start laughing, and then before you know it, I'm like writhing on the ground. With the Joker face. You're just like, yeah, it's over. Just a big grin. I don't know. But uh, Jason, our next poison on the list is poison hemlock. You ever heard of this? I have. Poison hemlock is a tall flowering plant with roots resembling carrots. All parts of the plant are toxic and can cause paralysis and death from respiratory failure so yep. pretty pretty kinda, similar to that common yeah here's a scary fact near the end uh, of someone's life whenever they've ingested poison hemlock a victim can't move yet remains aware of his or her surroundings so you're just kind of paralyzed and you know what's going on and you understand but you you can't you can't talk you know eventually you can't breathe you can just kind of oh move your gosh. eyes back that's horrible yeah the most famous case of hemlock poisoning is the death of the greek philosopher Socrates. Oh, yeah. 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 I've heard this. Now, who was Socrates? He was a brilliant man who chose to live in abject poverty and became a troublemaking street philosopher. Self proclaimed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, Plato, who was one of the students of Socrates, described him as being, quote, dirty and disheveled, wandering the streets in his unwashed bedclothes with long and greasy hair. That that paints an image of me on a Thursday night. I don't. <laughs> That's me just kind of wandering around. When I think of Socrates, I didn't really think of that. No, I always imagine like that uh, Greek bust sculpture. You know, he just looks all distinguished and right. scholarly. But uh, apparently, he was just a dirty, dirty man. <laughs> he was just kind of sloppy. <laughs> Socrates claimed that he was not a teacher because teachers, at least in Greek culture, were those who transmitted information to a receiver. It was kind of that whole sage on a stage right. model. Socrates used a questioning technique that facilitated learning rather than imparted it. And just because I was curious and hadn't dove into this in a while, I looked up the Socratic method, mm-hmm. and there are a few common questions that are asked whenever you're trying to teach someone Socratically. Are you familiar? Have you heard of Socratic yeah. method before? So one question you might ask is, why do you think this is the case? So, okay. you know, we say, good question. Yeah, poison hemlock kills people, Socrates. Why do you think this is the case? You know, and you need to just kind of build your own understanding. Uh, another question, is there any other information needed? <laughs> it's like, well, Socrates, Plato died last week of a uh, poison hemlock. <laughs> I saw him licking the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another question, what led you to that belief? I saw him fall down. <laughs> And then finally, are there any reasons to doubt the evidence? 
So we're kind of making fun of it, but it actually is a really effective hmm. teaching strategy oh, yeah. to kind of get oh, people yeah. to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very foundational, actually. Yeah. Ask questions and, and kind of learn in that way. Now, Socrates was eventually accused of heresy on two accounts. One, he failed to acknowledge the gods that the city acknowledged. And two, he introduced new deities, which were a big no-no in Greek culture. We, we had our whole episode on Greek mythology. Go check that one out. But you don't go introducing new gods. There's an established pantheon there. Sure. And, you know, Zeus is at the head of it, and that's all, that's all you really need to know. For these acts, Socrates was sentenced to death, and his sentence was to drink a beverage of poison hemlock by his own hand. And something about that by his own hand just sort of made me take pause yeah. and kind of cringe a little bit because that seems even worse somehow yeah. than like being forced to do yeah, it. It's or, almost like we're not like we're not killing you. It's you know, you're doing that yourself. But maybe that's the but really no there. yeah, but really no uh, other option probably for him. Yeah. Sure. Plato described Socrates' death as follows, and this is a long quote, but this is directly from his student. He was there when this happened. Here's the quote: The man laid his hands on him and after a while examined his feet and legs, then pinched his foot hard and asked if he felt it. He said, no. Then after that, his thighs. And passing upwards in this way, he showed us that he was growing cold and rigid. And then again he touched him and said that when it reached his heart, he would be gone. Then, uncovering his face, which had been covered, he said, and these were Socrates' last words, Credo, we owe a rooster to Asclepius. Pay it and do not neglect it. That, said Credo, shall be done, but see if you have anything else to say. To this question, he made no reply, but after a little while, he moved. The attendant uncovered him, his eyes were fixed, and Credo, when he saw it, closed his mouth and eyes. So, poor, dirty old Socrates, man. That's a, it's it's a tough, way, tough way to go. Bad way to go. It absolutely is. So, that's that's poison hemlock. Jason, what, what's up next? What's our last one? Well, I, I, will, I will see your hemlock and raise you strychnine. Will you really? Yeah, I will. All right. So strychnine comes from the plant Strychnos vomica. Vomica. <laughs> I'll huh? let you make that connection. All right, I'll figure that out. Uh, and is and is similar to hemlock. Uh, strychnine causes paralysis and ultimately kills animals or people by the respiratory failure. We've we've already uh, talked about it a little bit. And everything goes for the lungs, huh? One way or another. Yeah. The most fascinating case regarding the use of strychnine revolves around a British medical doctor named Thomas Neil Cream who was literally a serial killer. Starting in 1878, Dr. Cream killed at least seven women and one man, all of whom were patients of his, uh, basically just poisoning them. Hmm. After serving 10 years in an American prison, Cream returned to London and poisoned several more people before he was again arrested and eventually executed in 1892. Man, that's terrible. That's unbelievable. Isn't it? Think about that. I mean, a, a doctor with 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 strychnine poisoning, mm-hmm. killing over twelve of his own patients that otherwise probably would have made it. That's that's not what doctors do. No, usually. And, and after and after spending a decade in prison, you know, have time to reflect. As soon as he gets out, nope, kind of relocate and go right back to uh, right back to his old ways. And uh, an interesting note: strychnine is the main ingredient in rat poison. Probably for good reason. That makes right. sense. So, I mean, you know, when, when, when we think about poison, I immediately think about rat poison in my mind. Because yeah. I just see the box. It's a very common thing. Uh, that That's decon, right? I think, that's I think same, so. That's a brand name, I think, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
So uh, anytime we talk about poison, that's that's immediately what, what I think. I don't know. They always just sort of freaked me out. I always just thought maybe some some little kid might get into that or, or whatever. Yeah. And really for that reason, uh, there's been some uh, legislation that's tried to basically ban strychnine. Oh, really? Uh, as the main ingredient in rat poison that they can still make rat poison, obviously, mm-hmm. but it would not be like a death sentence if a human got a hold of it. It, it would probably make them sick, sure. but it wouldn't kill them. It's kind of scary that that stuff just sits on a shelf and you can get a hold of it. Yeah, and just buy go, it. yeah, I know that's that's crazy, but that's that is strychnine. So, Jason, I think that brings us to the end. Do you have anything else to mention about poison, or maybe we can talk about the band now? I guess uh, every I, rose has its thorn, you know. I like the band. I like the band. Uh, I'm probably still going to stay away from mozzarella sticks just in case. Good call. Yeah, uh, probably will st- stay away from uh, hemlock. Yeah, but probably will listen to more poison though. I may listen to that on the way home. Yeah, I'm not going to taste it, but I might listen to Poison. That's right. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, little crank up, little Every Rose Has Its Thorn. I like that. All the way home. Smart idea. Sounds good. Stay away from those cold cheeseburgers, though. I <laughs> I can tell you what happens later. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. No. Thanks to all of our listeners who are following the podcast each week. The best thing you can do is share the podcast with a friend. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast. We reach, uh, recently hit... 12,000 downloads. As of That's right, Shannon. As of this moment, uh, we have 12,099 downloads, which means that ever since really the summer months, like May, June, yeah. we're basically getting uh, one download about every 30 minutes around the clock uh, from, from somewhere. And we are uh, quickly approaching our one-year anniversary i we think sure i think one year will be on wednesday it will the, the the first release and so basically this will be the last episode before we uh, have a new one you know that yeah. comes out so this really is our one year anniversary so over over twelve thousand downloads in a year that's a little more than a thousand downloads a month i feel pretty good about pretty, that pretty cool that's nice and again that's that's thanks to everyone who is listening and another way you can support the podcast is to follow us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram with the handle at slapdash pod and we will catch you in the next episode take care everybody do not drink poison <laughs> <laughs>